This is DRS, Broken English Gang, Manchester for life. Yo, this is TRAC. Hey, this is Colette Warren. Hi, this is Cleveland Watkins. This is Diligent Fingers. So, hey, this is Deg. Yo, this is Connie Khan from Children of Zeus. This is MC Copper. Yo, this is Inja, representing Valiant MC. And I'm chilling out with Valiant right now. You know, in tune to Valiant MC. You're listening to Valiant MC. With Valiant MC. And you're listening to Valiant MC. The man like Valiant MC. Got on the vocal. On the vocal. On the vocal. On the vocal. And you're locked into the vocal so make sure you get your dial tune you know 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 Sometimes I shine much brighter in the dark 
3am the sound that starts to infiltrate my heart The waves protect me from the outside world They help me disembark So I can switch off from the ills that help insomnia play a part Yeah, you better plays a part Sleepless nights I feel it The SOP don't always help The booze ain't always needed Trying to put your head down But you're staring at the ceiling And on this weekend, yeah, this cycle is repeated huh. Check one, two, check one, two. What's up, everybody? This is Valiant MC. Episode 13 of The Vocal. And I'm not even really sure what to say. Uh, This is the first episode released since basically the whole world shut down as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic a.k.a. the coronavirus. It's just a weird time for everybody. But hopefully you find some kind of uh, positive vibes from this show. And on this episode, we've got Mr. Positive Vibes himself, the one and only Degs. It is his second appearance on The Vocal. He is here to talk about his new album, Letters from Degwa, out now on Hospital Records. And it's uh, everything you would expect from Degs and more. And we've got the one and only MC Astro from Dallas, Texas, who has quite the body of work. And so I'm extremely excited to have him on. So the first track that you heard was from that newly released Degs album. It's entitled Sleepless, and it was produced by Pola and Bryson. And the track you are hearing right now is by an artist called Artemis, and the track is Elysian Fields. It is a, a classic from the atmospheric years, drum and bass from the mid to late 90s, a mainstay of sets by LTJ Bookham actually going to be featured on the mix that I'm doing with Polaris, which should be out sometime in the next couple of weeks. So, not that you asked for my thoughts on what's going on, but I will say this, those of you out there who think that this is a fake, made-up thing, or some kind of conspiracy... You know, it is easy to think that, uh, but I will say that the sickness itself is real. And all of you, whether or not you believe this is a conspiracy set up by the government or by the corporations or by Bill Gates or whatever, or if you're a science-based person who believes that this is just another one of the long overdue pandemics that has beset the earth, we all need to take the same precautions. A lot of people out there are immunocompromised and they cannot be exposed to this. Uh, I personally live with someone who is. 
got to do our part to kind of make sure that the rest of the people around us are doing okay. So wash those hands, wear gloves when you go out, wear a mask when you go out. Stay home. Don't have gatherings. Don't even have gatherings on your front lawn. Just use some common sense. And, uh, you know, we use this downtime to be constructive. But in the meantime, we've got to do what we can. Uh, going out to those people who are dealing with various mental and emotional health issues during times like this. Uh, try to stay strong. And those of you who love those people, please check on them, talk to them. This is going to be a really uh, trying time for those who are dealing with their own head. So since we all have to stay home, we should go back and listen to the previous episodes of this show. I interview people like Dynamite and MC Conrad and Inja. DRS has been on the show three times. MC Kappa has been on twice. Colette Warren, MC Track, Armani Rain, Diligent Fingers. Goes on and on. And there are some other really great talk-based podcasts out there. Jack Workforce is doing one. The Think Breaks crew has one. I hear even Charlie Bricks is starting one up. And in any kind of discussion I love. So coming up, we've got the MC Astro interview. That is the first thing. And after that, we're going to hear a track that is coming out soon on Weapons of Choice by him and Casey, Kevin Cunningham, the American production legend. And the track is called Nighttime Roland. In the second half of the show, we will feature a number of tracks from the new Degs album, as well as the Degs interview itself. So all the cool London family, all my podcast listeners, stay safe out there. Wash those hands. Wear those masks and gloves. And as always, this is The Vocal. And it's the most awkward thing ever because this, this block is normally really busy and to see it, you know, just like ghost town. You know, music venues, restaurants, oh, people yeah. walking down the street, walking their dogs with mask on them. Like, wow. <laughs> the last uh, live gig I played was on March 12th. And even then, that was before everything started shutting down. And, and I know certain people were contemplating staying home and were like, well, you know, it just it felt but it, it felt like this might be the last hurrah before something happens. And the streets, <laughs> the streets were kind of dead. And like I had hand sanitizer and Lysol wipes in the car already. I don't know, man. It was a weird, it was weird, man. And then it got like this. It's crazy. Hey, if, if people haven't had a reality check on in, in the world and times, you know what I mean? We haven't had like a world war happen where everyone's getting drafted and, you know, there hasn't been anything in our lifetime that's been like super, super, super crazy that affected like basically the whole world. Up until this, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we had like a little bit of it with 9-11, but I feel like, I don't know. I mean, it didn't really affect our day-to-day lives for, for all that long. We didn't have to shut everything down and change the way <laughs> we think about how we dress when we go outside. And for days now, I've been wearing a mask and gloves. And so this is a, a new, strange, uncharted territory for 
uh, a lot of people in the musical end of things, uh, because everything that musicians do is performance based and nobody makes music off. I'm sorry. Nobody makes money off of music anymore. Um, they only make it through their live performance. Now we're all stuck trying to figure out what to do. So, uh, during these times, do you have anything that you're working on or anything that you're kind of got in the works? I, I have been staying busy. I've been working a lot with, uh, Casey, uh, Kevin Cunningham, IQ. Uh, I got a hip hop, drum and bass two different projects hip-hop and drum and bass on one project and hip-hop on the other project with iq i've been staying busy uh working with my man's uh local guy here in texas named saint jay he goes by jay augustus now um we've been working on a lot of projects he actually produces and raps to german bass we're just trying to leave everything wide open and really brand it for ourselves right now make a name because you know some of the stuff we got going on right now is like uncharted water is kind of like just life right now you know when uh when this whole thing started everybody was like oh hey man we've got all this time now let's let's capitalize let's maximize our time let's blah 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 like let's get on that grind and at first i felt like at that first. and then at first this kind of weird i don't know this kind of weird depression kind of set in a little bit like not depression depression but like i don't know it was like the whole the whole world was on was like on hold a lot of people are in a, a very precarious mental health place. So it's like, um, you know, we can all be on our grind all we want, but I, I've kind of felt a little hint of like that, uh, almost a sense of like futility, like, ah, uh, no, nah, you know, what? I'll just get to it whenever, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of, yeah. it just sets in after a little while. And I, I wonder, has that happened with you at all? Or are you still trying to keep yourself um, busy? At first, I wanted to dive like head in and be like, oh, yeah, let's knock out all this music because, yes, it sounded like a great idea. Right. But you got to think, you know, using your brain and overworking your brain, it's almost like going to work. And at some point in time, well, it is like going to work. At some point in time, you got to, you know, just kind of not take work home with you. You have to take a couple days break. I actually took about a week of uh, a break from the music after thinking that I was ready for it. Just because there's a lot to think about and a lot going on and a lot of processes that we're all going to have to deal with looking into the future. And so I've been focused on just not stressing, you know, um, and music, music takes me to a place that I can stress very easily there um, just because I'm trying to create these environments and these uh, scenarios and, and vibes. It really takes a non-stressed environment to create and be at your best. Yeah, uh, ly lyrically and song wise, you know, my advice and uh, to everybody else out there that might have been going through this or is going through this, you got to take a break sometimes. If you're always on it, always on it, always on it, life is not as we knew it before. And man, there's a lot to take in and just focus on life. Sometimes uh, the music has to be put on hold just to really relax. Um, because it's still like a job, you know, what, uh, so what's happening down by you in terms of, you know, are there a lot of cases breaking out or what, what's going on? Yeah. Texas, Texas is going hard out here. Like they're like, I haven't really looked at the numbers cause for me, you know I mean? I don't, I look at the numbers and they keep changing every day and you know, Photoshop is a great, wonderful thing that we've all learned to use. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you can get me going down this rabbit hole of, of is it real or is it not real? I've just been staying in the house. 
Are you, man, dude, don't tell me that you're making a tinfoil hat. You're getting ready to put it on. Man, it's got like these little ears on it. <laughs> um, we, we hung some beads off the back. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I think I, it's, it's interesting. It, you know, obviously there's, there's people who are very science based about this whole thing and their outlook on this. And then there are people who are kind of taking the other approach, like the more conspiratorial approach, which kind of, you know, it's hard not to take considering take the it. countries that we are involved. It. I mean, China's directly involved and in where that's where it came from and hit the United States really hard. And so it's one of those things where you've got these two sort of conflicting philosophies about, you know, what are the cosmic reasons that this virus is out there? However, despite that, all of us are kind of forced to take the same approaches because regardless of whether or not it's an artificially like kind of created thing or whatever. It still spreads the same way. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're like, oh man, like we can't just ignore it because it's still out there no matter what. And so yeah. it's, there's been this funny kind of confluence of deniers and skeptics and scientists who, <laughs> who are all still forced to approach it the same way. It's definitely weird for sure. Um, you know, to see this and hopefully we come out quickly. And swiftly without any madness going on over it. Um, but what do you think long term? Like, how do you think life is going to be changed after all this is kind of not I don't want to say over, but in two years time, what kinds of changes to our current lifestyle do you think will stick? Uh, I think people will try to gravitate more towards jobs that might still be uh, around when the, the apocalypse hits again. You know, no one wants to be out of work. I think it puts it in perspective as you need to get out there and get your money mm. for those that have been lazy sitting on the couch um, and not doing anything for a long time. Um, I think it puts it in perspective for those who really had never really saved money. Oh, um, yeah. You know, what happens when the world comes to a screeching halt? Are you ready for that moment? You know, the doomsday preppers are going to be like, I told you so. <laughs> yeah. Is it, really, is it really that, is it really that far? You know what I mean? I have uh, never really, I don't even think I've fired a gun before, but those people who are out there buying guns right now, I'm kind of like, yeah, not a bad idea. I mean, it's not really you know a bad what? idea. We have a shotgun. We have a shotgun um, just anticipating because we live in a large city. So if people start fighting over food and then food becomes scarce, you know, I, I anticipate the ugliest of the world. <laughs> um, and it's just because big cities, you know, I've been to... Um, I worked for FEMA for a little bit when uh, Hurricane Katrina happened, and I saw the military in the streets of a uh, heavily populated American city, and I, I knew people. I told people, I was like, you're not ready for what comes next if you don't listen to what they're telling you. And uh, people tried to say that I was some sort of, uh, was it fear monger or something like that? I'm like, mm, no, nah, not really. <laughs> right. I've seen it, you know. Um and it's one of those things that people are like, oh, the military and never occupied the streets of America. But oh, they, they already have. have. They have. Yeah. <laughs> just, they just, have. Just, just look at African-American history in the United States. It's happened exactly. multiple times. Are you kidding me? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, absolutely. You know, it's just one of those things that I'm just like, you know, don't never say never until right. you've lived it. You know, it's just one of those crazy things that uh, the the world – when, when things get really, really crazy, the military will step in, even if it is the National Guard. And some people's arguments is that's not the military. Well, they've got guns and they have access to tanks and whatever they need. That's the military. 
Oh yeah, um, they are absolutely the military, though. I mean, they're they're yeah. sanctioned by the federal government. But um, yeah. have, has this has any of this made you rethink whether or not you want to stay living in a city or you want to maybe move out further hey, know, into the suburbs I, or rural I, areas? I have thought about it about ten times. It's like right. my family that lives in far north Minnesota, away from Minneapolis, where I'm originally from. They live in a place called Brainerd, which is about two hours north and way, way less populated. And that's probably one of the safest places that I would want to be is like away from the city, you know? Yeah. And we've all seen The Walking Dead. Cities are not a good good place to be. uh, Even if you live in an hour outside of a major city, you can still get to the events and go see your your local German Bay shows. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I live in a a, a semi-rural area. It's a... Uh, a small beach town and it's surrounded by farmland and I'm pretty much, yeah, an, an, uh, an hour away from the nearest major city. And it has kind of changed my outlook on, I don't know, kind of what it's like to be a human living in the 21st century. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was always a city kid growing up and I believed in city life, you know, but I, I don't know. My outlook has definitely changed. And I think part of it is because I'm pessimistic about the way humans are to each other. Not, not to say that people who live in rural areas are any better necessarily, but there's definitely few of them per square mile. <laughs> so yeah, I can only imagine what New York's going through. You know oh what I mean? When you got families upon families on top of each other. You know, using the same hallways, same stair rails. Luckily, I have my own entrance and front and back to my apartment unit where I live at, and we don't have central air. So we're not sharing like AC units or anything like that. That's the one thing that worries me about places like that, that have to have shared environments, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right. So you mentioned Minneapolis. So let's let's take this back a little bit because I do want to get some background on you um, because so many people readily identify you with Texas, even though you are from the sort of opposite of Texas (laughs) and that is Minnesota. So tell me. About where you're from, when you moved to Texas. Let's talk about Man, early I, Astro. Uh, early Astro, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I was born in the 70s, you know, 70s baby. <laughs> I seen the 80s, 90s uh, music culture, especially hip hop culture grow. Um, I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I moved to Dallas, Texas, maybe about like 86, 85, 86, somewhere in there. So what what, what, what grade much, were you in when you moved? I was in second grade. Oh, okay, okay. So still, still young then. Yeah. Because I, I thought I was some sort of like B-boy, um, like Stetsasonic was one of my favorite groups at the time. I love the Fat Boys, if I'm not mistaken, it's about that time. They were they were my shit back then. But I, I, I kind of knew back then I wanted to be into music because I just, I went and bought tapes after tapes after tapes. But I moved to Dallas and growing up in Dallas was kind of hard as a youngster because, you know, I've got this Minnesota accent um, where I just speak of a little bit more proper, I guess, than uh, most people down here are used to, and so I got picked on a lot growing up in Dallas. So you were a little less, a little less country then, eh? Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, going back now in my my forties, my family's like, "Ooh, yeah, quite the accent." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, I get it from both ends of the country, man. I guess I just start t- lying to people, telling them I'm from Kansas City or somewhere, somewhere in the middle." All right, so you moved to Texas when you were still kind of a kid. So you said that Seth and Sonic was one of your favorite groups. So at what age had you become aware of music that 
was kind of like your own. Now, it wasn't necessarily like from your parents or your siblings or whatever. It was kind of like, oh, this is my music now. It was it was the Wu Tang Bucktown era. You know what I mean? The Black Moon and Wu Tangs and just everything '90s era. I knew then was it. What was it? What was it about that music that differentiated it from the hip hop that had come before that, though? For you, it was like the the eighties and the nineties. You know, everybody was struggling for identity. Um, What I like the most about the nineties is the individuality and the artists themselves could stand alone. Whether it was a group or uh, a, a solo artist, they could stand alone, and they were all different. You might hear some that kind of sounded like each other, but I felt like artists back then had themes. They kind of knew what they were looking for, despite what the world wanted. They had their own thing. They were independent. You know, that was that was one of the things that I was like, oh, the, the 90s is where it's at. And that's when I started experimenting with, I guess, what's called uh, broken beats, break beats, um, where the beats started to change. You get more instrumental albums like DJ Shadow, DJ Spooky. Mm-hmm. When I found those guys in the '90s, it changed my life. DJ Crush, um, which, which, the by the way, which DJ Crush album was your first? Was it that one on Shadow Records my in the life. cardboard, or was it which was the My Life? I oh yeah, 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 yeah. Did, that, did that have a crate on the front? I think so. Yeah, uh, all okay. white album. Yeah, yeah, and um, the that right there really, and everything on Ninja Two, it just opened my mind to. You know, I found those guys and I found Ninja Tune and I was like, oh, this label's dope. And so it basically kind of prepared me for the drum and bass world. And um, DJ Spooky and the Freight Elevator Quartet kind of busted that wide open, uh, as well as Ronnie Sy's, um Brown Paper Bag, which was, you know, monumental in my career and inspiring to go where I went in the German based community. You know, I don't think, I don't think DJ spooky gets enough credit in terms of bringing drum and bass into the American consciousness. Cause he was really playing with it a lot way before a lot of people really knew what it was who were not directly involved in their local rave scenes. You know what I mean? And you know, he was, yeah, he was kind of like a, a, a pioneer in that regard. And I feel like in general, spooky, kind of missed out on some of his due when he was, you know, as big as he was. Um, I agree. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that time, that time period for me was kind of the same thing, man. I, I sort of discovered drum and bass and rave music at the same time as I discovered a lot of like down tempo and trip hop and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, man, DJ Vadim, that DJ Vadim album was, I used to play that all the time. I went crazy when he added me on Facebook, or not Facebook, on MySpace. And I was like, DJ Vadim added me <laughs> I am a terrorist. <laughs> Absolutely. DJ, I, I saw him back then, too. And I, was it? No, oh, no, no. Sorry, I take that back. Uh, I saw the Herbalizer back then. Oh, oh man, they were great. Ooh. Yeah. They had some dope MCs. Yeah, yeah, they did. They were, they were, they were fantastic, yeah. man. I, I always like to look I, for what those guys are all trying to do now. And I'm like, man, they should be, they should be big now, but the, I don't know. I feel like that whole wave kind of gets overlooked. Let me write that down. Cause you just reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been over 20 years since I've heard the herbalizer, or maybe about 19, 18 years. But yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Well, what, what year did, uh, that first D, uh, DJ shadow album come out? Isn't it like the 25th anniversary or something like that now? It was like 97. I want to say. Okay. It was 97. Yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, I, I can't believe it's that old. Only because I, I was in high school, you know, get ready to graduate and shit. And so, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man. You know, I had some friends who were into the house music scene, and they were like, "You, you freestyle at my birthday parties, and you, when we're all hanging out, you should meet such and such." And they took me to a couple parties and uh, introduced us to the old school OG Reggie Zeno who was, uh, you know, rest in peace to Reggie Zeno, but he was a godfather in the Dallas uh, electronic music scene. And he was pretty much like, hey, this is where it's at. This is what you want to do. Come hang out with us. And, man, I, I took it serious back in the day. Like, yo, this is my opportunity to really dive into this industry and, and try some some different things, you know. So there, there's two two points in time here I want you to, to nail down. The, the point that you kind of – uh, discovered jungle and drum and bass and the point that you decided maybe I should start emceeing to jungle and drum and bass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, uh, the point where I found it was when, uh, my friend showed me, um, to hang out with my buddy, Chris Claiborne, who was, who also goes by uh, DJ Fuka. And he was also from the same side of town as me. So they were all like, yeah, you definitely got to come hang out with us. So my first experience going out to a rave, uh, we went out, we hung out, and, you know, notoriously, I dipped into that side room and I get in there and I hear them heavy drums and I see everybody with their echo hoodies and their parkas on with the fur beanies on their fitted caps. And I was like, what is this? I was like, I knew the music, but to hear the harder side of it, like the the jump up and the actual hardcore Raga jungle, that's not the environment of drum and bass that I found in the beginning. But to see like the B-boys and B-girls were hanging out in the D&B arenas, I was just like, yo, this is where I need to be if I'm going to be here. And I heard MCs on the mic and I heard scratching. I heard DJs, you know, rocking tracks that just had like some urban funk to it. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. This is this is my thing. And my my first real reasons for being there were not to be dancing. You know what I mean? Um you know, we were all thugging out or whatever and um, just hanging out with friends and stuff. And it changed my life when I when I actually heard drum and bass and I kind of went a couple of years and I was like, yo, I think I'm going to start rocking to this. And my friends kind of looked at me like, what? you going to rap to this? I was like, yeah, that's you know, that's when it began. I started freestyling. I went to this uh, night that pretty much gave a lot of MCs in Dallas their uh, their swords is. Yep. All right. Hold on. Hello. Sorry about that. I think that might have been my end, but I'm not sure. Sorry. Uh, all right. So you were telling your friends that you were going to start rolling with drum and bass. You're going to start rapping a drum and bass. Yeah, we were going to start. Um, I was going to start freestyling, rocking out to drum and bass. Because I seen a couple of MCs in the, the scene. You know what I mean? They were doing their thing, and I was like, "This is cool. I really see where this could be the next hip hop." Like I saw the future in it back then, um, which has always been one of my biggest. Um, goals is to do songs in drum and bass like hip-hop you know back then i never even thought about recording um it was just all freestyle you know we had a lot of hip-hop mcs who tried to rock to drum and bass and hip-hop and they they do really really well at it um especially now uh 20 years later they hop back on it like it's like riding a bike you know what i mean and um i love to see that in our hip-hop community that they respect drum and bass as much as you know some of the hip-hop dudes like they understand that that we're out there grinding the same way they do as far as vocalists and djs and production 
So you kind of have uh, uh, a distinction that very few other MCs um, in the United States have, and that is <clears throat> a body of work. Um, you have a larger body of work than almost any MC in the country outside of, say, you know, Track and Armani. And I mean, the other guys, I mean, mostly MCing is still a very live performance oriented art form, but you've got quite the catalog already. Um, so at what point did you think to yourself that, you know, this needs to be a priority? I need to be on tracks. Um, it, this needs to go beyond just performance. I don't know, man. It kind of it's, it's one of these like chip on your shoulder type things where, you know, you know, the MCs don't really catch love, don't really get paid like they should. Don't really uh, get bookings unless you're with your home homie that's uh, getting booked. You know what I mean? Or a DJ invites you somewhere. I don't know. I'm kind of going off topic again. Um, basically, I was trying to like make a name for myself in the scene. And I had too much like, you know, struggles with the the other things in the industry. And it was like, okay, it's time to, uh, it's time to change something for me. You know, if I'm going to leave a, a, a name in the game and make a name for myself after going to WMC so many times, I saw that those dudes were going out there, you know, and a lot of those guys, I look them up and there's no songs out there. And I was like, I want to make rap songs. I want to make drum and bass rap songs. And I told some of my friends, I was like, what I want in drum and bass is not what a lot of my fellow junglists want. They don't want to hear rap on there. They would rather hear different style vocals from different regions of the world. And I'm like, for me, if if I can't find that, I've got to make it. And back back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when I linked up with IQ and Track, um, they dropped that, uh, if it ain't hip-hop, then it's trip-hop. If it ain't rap, it's abstract, junglist. And I knew right then, I was like, this this is the lane that I should be in. I should be making music like this. And um, so I started out with hip hop and then I did a song over the years. I did a song with um, human nature and a buddy of mine, J logic. And we got a really good um, response from it. And that, that pretty much did it right there. I was like, okay, all right, I can record, I can record at home. Um, game change. So what year was that track? And I I want to say it's about six or seven years ago, maybe okay. maybe longer than that. Um, but it was on Soul Deep. Um, I think it was about six or seven years ago. Um, we did that, and then after that, you know, song after song, different people. I've been working with Snoff. I've been working with Western Sea and Liquid Waves. Liquid Waves now does um, what is it Lo-Fi Hip Hop now, which I can't wait to hear some of that. Um, Simplification Translate. Um, Oliver Ferreira, a lot of my a lot of my dudes here in Texas that have supported over the years, like everybody just gave me this opportunity to really go hard and you know they're like all right here's a track here's a track here's a track a couple years later you look up and you've done a lot of songs and um, it just feels like this is what you're supposed to be doing all along you know what I mean I've always wanted to make songs I've always wanted to make drum and bass songs some of them work some of them do not work out. Um, some of them are too rappy. Some of them are, uh, too singing. So you always got to be prepared to go, go in, reattack sometimes. Just, you know, keep your head on into the music. Cause once you're in, you're in, there's no turning around and, uh, you'll know it cause, uh, you're actually going to get busy. <laughs> uh, so how did you actually meet, uh, track and IQ? 
Um, I met IQ. We did a show with him here in Dallas, Texas. Him and uh, my buddy Fuka are really, really good friends. Um, and, uh, you know, big up to the whole digital confusion family. Um, all of those guys were down here in Texas at the time, hanging out, doing shows, networking with the Dallas, uh, dance music community. And, you know, they're, they're like, you know, the New York club kids are, are family to the Texas club kids for sure. Here. But I met them. Um, first time I met Q was at this spot called Battletech. And, uh, and then we all went to Chi Chi's afterwards. And then I want to say a couple years later, Q came back to Texas and he brought track. And that's when me and track, uh, finally met. And man, I tell you guys, I was like, track been on this so long that, you know, this is nothing like when you hear that song, this is nothing new. Um, it's not like I just came out the blue. It's, it's the truth, man. T been doing this forever, man. And this right. is, this is something that I felt like we've been trying to push like, drum and bass with lyrics from Americans for a while. But I tell you, a long time, nobody was really trying to hear it. There's still, there's still pushback, man. It's weird. It's when we dropped the car bars last summer, like, you know, the only negative comments came from people who kept on saying, it sounds like we're all rapping. And I'm like, well, of course it does. Like (laughs) we're all American and we all grew up listening to hip hop. Like what the hell do you think we're going to do? I mean, I'm not going to come out here with some, with some reggae chatter because that's not what I grew up on. So to me, it's the same thing as grime and hip hop is hip hop. You know what I mean? Drum and bass lyrically, when hip hop artists hop on any beat, it becomes hip hop. Um, in a, in a, in a weird way. Still, you know, it's like, it's like hip house. They, you know, people try to give it its swing, but lyrically for us, it's still hip hop because it's an urban beat that we're rapping to. Um, doesn't matter what type of urban beat that it is. Um, cause you'll find a lot of guys that are rap to any type of beat. I've even heard something that sounded like a polka beat recently. And I was like, is he really? Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it becomes, it becomes what you make it. And it's, it's either for some, it doesn't have to be for others. You know, right. it's not going to be for everybody. You know, not everyone wants to hear a love ballad. Some people think, Oh, it's too mushy. And I'm like, that's yeah, still good music. You know? All right. So before I let you go, uh, is there anything that you want to plug that you've got coming out or has recently come out? Um, I got a couple of, uh, got a couple tunes with Casey, Kevin Cunningham, Nighttime Roller, Rolling, um, and Not Today, which, uh, I think Nighttime Rolling has a remix with Command Strange, which, uh, blew my mind when I found out, uh, we got a Command Strange remix and I'm, I'm really excited because that's coming out on Weapons of Choice. Um, working on a couple projects with AK and, um, Saxon. And I'm really excited for the world to hear these, these tunes from AK, Saxon and Casey, because these guys are the truth. And I feel so honored to be working with, uh, such incredible talent. Yeah. Big up to Casey, man. He is a long time now been one of the state's best producers. And I feel like he's another one that never got, got his due and his tunes, man. They come harder than most. So yeah, man. You know, big up, big up to Mighty Monks out there because he he linked us all up in the back of a uh, a limousine in uh, San Antonio. Uh, Sub, Saxon, Casey. You know, big up those guys, man. Um, expect a lot of uh, huge work coming out of uh, all of these artist camps, man. Because uh, these guys staying busy, man. I see it now that I'm on the production side with these guys, and I'm like, wow. You know, get ready because there's some huge tunes coming. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to it. All right, well, look, I'm going to let you go. 
But uh, we're going to link up again at some point, uh, maybe before the end of the year, do a little catch up, uh, see how the rest of your 2020 has been and what is coming for 2021. Yes, sir. Super fun. Absolutely, dude. We'll talk to you soon, right? Yes, sir. All right. Later. Are you ready? Let's do this. Ready? Let's do this. Headed to the party now. Party now. Nighttime, we're rolling. Nighttime, we're rolling. Yeah, it's going down. Yeah. Are you ready? Let's do this. Ready? Let's do this. Headed to the party now. Nighttime, we're rolling. Nighttime, we're rolling. Yeah, it's going down. Again, that was KC and MC Astro. Nighttime rolling, upcoming on Weapons of Choice. That cowbell on that tune is... That's my kryptonite right there. Up next, we got a tune from Unglued and MCGQ called Mike Strangler. And MCGQ, for those of you who are following, 
uh, was actually hospitalized for COVID-19. Uh, I guess he was doing pretty bad there, but we are very, very happy to see the man on the mend because he is the voice of drum and bass. One of the greatest to ever do it. So ladies and gentlemen, listen close. This is the vocal. Are you ready? Let's do this. Let's do this. Headed to the party now. Party nighttime rolling. Rolling. Yeah, it's going down. Are you ready? Let's do this. Let's do this. Headed to the party now. Party nighttime rolling. Rolling. Yeah, it's going down. We say welcome. I'll be your host and we'll be cruising at 40,000 feet altitude, so buckle up, as it could possibly be some turbulence on the way. Okay. Yo, it's Mr. Mike Strangler. Yo, the mic damager. Lyrics so long all the way from Beijing to Canada. Yo, set a trample, dismantle your deck and handle. GQ up on the mic, I blow them out like a candle. Lock and load, braggadocious, so ferocious It's the cue up on the microphone, the coldest thing you notice What? Flows for days, yo, seven days a week GQ, I spit them bars, I got that shelling technique What? Even the skills if can't manage Yo, I do damage everywhere that I go Mystic, you up on the mic, I've got that Bruce Lee flow uh, Yo, the coldest, said you know this Yo, so damn hot, yo, and so braggadocious Explosive when I flow this Yo, said I'm the coldest, GQ live up on the microphone God damn it, and you know this Clap, clap Yeah. 
indeed. All my listeners know that I do love a good bootleg. I guess in this case it is called a remix. Sometimes the line is very blurred, but this is Conrad Sub's rework of the Buster Rhymes classic, Wuha Got You All In Check. Listen everybody, this is the vocal.
Yes, indeed, this one is a killer. Courtesy of Coherent, this is his bootleg of Be Your Girl by Tetra Moses. So let's listen close, everybody. This is the vocal.
Moving in the lane of my own Rolling through the days in the zone Pacing in the way that I know Aiming for the prize and I'm taking it all Moving in the lane of my own Rolling through the days in the zone Pacing in the way that I know Aiming for the prize hey, yo, I'm in a place I know best Shouts to the wind is in it Where they say there is no rest Shouts to the wicked They thought we'd never progress Shouts to my critics And since I'm touching the sky Shouts to my limits Never the one to brag But the love is so enormous And damn it feels good To see people up on it Glory We're in fixing for an app From the gift to touring All we hear is stories Of the upliftment Little do they know That energy ain't reciprocating Keeping to a fella Who's very deadly with this year Despair by chasing the wave Rolling through an amazing grave Like I'm here to save the day The logical flex for a positive stretch Phenomic, melodic, harmonic In other words, we got it So let the ride just carry you on You ain't trapped, you just stuck in a song Yeah, Moving in the lane of my own Rolling through the days in the zone Pacing in the way that I know Aiming for the prize and I'm taking it all Moving in the lane of my own Rolling through the days in the zone Pacing in the way that I know Aiming for the prize and I'm taking it all Now you was looking for the soon till we show the proof All caught up in the thunderous, the sound so wondrous See you lose the stress when the music impress and then Dedicated to your emo, it's good for your ego You know it, yeah Moving in the lane of my own Rolling through the days in the zone Pacing in the way that I know Aiming for the prize and I'm taking it all Moving in the lane of my own Rolling through the days in the zone Pacing in the way that I know Aiming for the prize and I'm taking it all And I'm taking it off Yeah, so that was the prize from Submorphics and Track TRAC. And this is another one with Track and myself, produced by Cyberposix, entitled Never Too Late. So 
Hope you enjoyed this one. This is The Vocal. Let's go. Eyes open, I'm walking the path. Outspoken, I talk unabashed. Listen to the fates, but as my own jab. My words will make my legacy last. Eyes open, I'm walking the path. Outspoken, I talk unabashed. Listen to the fates, but as my own jab. My words will make my legacy last.
right, this next one I'm definitely feeling. It is Dusky and Joachim, entitled 8AM Roller. Due out very soon on Focus Recordings. So let's wash our hands of this. Cool London family. This is The Vocal. Taken from one of the most anticipated LPs in a long time, this is Brian G. Presents the Future on V Recordings. And this track is by Dr. Meeker, featuring Lorna King. And it is the Spy VIP of Fighter. And you already know 
This is the vocal.
Yes, indeed, from that same LP, Future, this is Alibi, with Cleveland Watkins and MC Fats, entitled Big Man Jungle. This is the vocal, let's go. The sounds that take you high Dancing to The sounds that take you high So coming up, we've got a pair of tracks from the new Degs album, entitled Letters from Degwa and Hospital Records. First is Degs with LSB and Phoebe Freya, called Trade Places, and then we've got Degs with Unglued and Javion. It's called Do Not Pass Go. And then we've got the interview with Degs. 
After the interview, we've got one more track by Deggs and Philosophy entitled Head Trip, which she actually talks about in the interview. So this is going to be the last that you all hear from me until you hear my voice talking back with Deggs. So I'm going to bid everyone adieu. Take care of yourself out there. Do not leave the house unless you have to. Wash your hands. And until next time, everybody, this has been The Vocal. I am Valiant MC. Talk to you later. And I got you. I'm flexing every day cause I got you. I'm filling up my cup cause I got you. And I don't want this to end cause I got you. Hey. And I got you. Cause I'm rolling out tonight. Cause I got you. I got you. There's light between my eyes cause I got you. And I finally reached the top cause I've got you. Yeah.
never wanna trade places with anyone Got the feeling on tonight I'm still reeling from the fight I never wanna trade places with anyone Yeah, it's uh, it's in the states. Apparently, someone they just had it on the news. Someone got it without actually traveling. I don't know. So they came in contact with somebody. How's that going to impact your travel in the near future? I don't know. I have no idea. The only thing I've seen, obviously, I've been abroad quite a lot recently, and the only things I've seen have have been uh, 
just just like signs on a on at airports and public transport places like bus stations, train stations, and that. Like I've seen that quite broad, quite a little bit, uh, quite a lot. But I don't think um, the government have really said too much to us. To be honest, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. I just think there's a, there's a lot that we're not being told about it. I don't know. I just have this yeah, weird feeling. Absolutely. That... Well, I mean, look. At the end of the day, even if you look at it from from the um, from in December when that Chinese doctor who's now contracted the illness and died, but he said there's um, there's a worldwide ep- epidemic that's about to come with this virus, and then obviously he gets in trouble with the Chinese authorities. A month later, is is dead. Yeah, uh, there's definitely something from even a lower level, whether it's a bigger, wider con- conspiracy than that, but it's, there's definitely something going on. So by the time this airs, we might all be dead. Some aliens will pick it up in like a thousand years when they go through like human media and shit. Never know. You know, it's funny if it's if it's anything like Doctor Who, those uh, those aliens will all have British accents. Yeah, they all. Yeah, like, wait a minute. You're just evil. I never understood that. With you know, it's the same in films as well. Like all the all the the baddies are always English. Well, I get it. I always I always laugh. My wife and I laugh about this. Whenever there's a period piece, um, it doesn't matter what country it is. We we were watching that. I think it was Catherine the Great with uh, Helen Mirren. Yeah, it's you know it's Russian, but everybody has a British accent. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Always the way. Even if you're watching like Spanish Armada, everyone is like, yes, General Conquistador. It's like, what the fuck going on here, man? <laughs> there was, uh, you know, the, the movie The Hunt for Red October, they did this interesting thing. They, they were speaking Russian and then the camera moved in. I don't know if it was Sean Connery or Sam Neill's mouth and like close up on it and as they were talking in russian they started speaking in english and then the camera backed away it was like a tool to let us know that yeah they're speaking right now in russian but we're getting the translation yeah that's quite clever though to be fair i like that that's clever all right so you've had uh you've had quite a year you know it's funny i i I was going back and and i remembered uh back when the car bars that i was on came out i remembered that i oh i'd seen Dags on car bars before I had ever seen uh, your spray out videos and stuff like that, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, so yeah. in a way, it's like I've seen you kind of blossom into this this new star, if you will. And uh, <laughs> it has been, uh, by all appearances, quite the uh, quite the rocket ride for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, we're sitting now in at the end of February 2020, so it's pretty much, you know, I would say in terms of officially being signed to hospital, two years now. So it's 24 months. And then obviously, okay, if you're going back to the car bars, that was, I think, summer 2017, wasn't it? I can't remember yeah, now. So, I think so. Yeah, summer 2017. So call it, you know, two and a half years. Um, and now we're here. It's just been so a quarter of a decade. And so much has happened that I actually sometimes have to sit down and sift through my mental memory block to, to actually work out what the hell's going on. That's why I like Instagram. Because then I can scroll back for a few Instagrams like, oh my right. God, I was here and here. It's... It's been um, it's been surreal. It's probably the best way to describe it. But like you said in a post when the announcement of your album came out, mm-hmm. you said you had been at this uh, what fifteen years, thirteen years. Yeah, I mean, well, I've been making music on and off for probably since I was. Well, I mean, I originally started playing piano when I was five years old. Um, I was like on and off, but you know, properly writing songs for. Well, yeah, it would have been at least 15, 16 years now. And you've been uh, plugging away as an MC, though, for like what? Like 12, like about 13 12, years, yeah. right? Yeah. 12, 13, yeah. So yeah. it's been uh, quite a transition, though, from where you were to when you signed with the hospital, all these things started ramping up. So you've been all over. You've got people still singing Paveglia back to you. 
That's <laughs> uh, crazy. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe how much traction that song has got. It's got legs for days. Boy. It's weird because, as I said, when we when we wrote it, it was just it all started because me and D Tune just wanted to get in the studio together. And now we've known each other for years. And actually, going back to um, my earlier days on the kind of local circuit, he was one of the he was one of the first guys to uh, or first promoters to put me on. Uh, to, to, so obviously we've we were, we've known each other for years and we've been friends for years. So we were just like just literally went round there. And it was such a simple song about quite a simple experience that I think a lot of people go through. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's so strange to see how far it's got. It's just crazy to me. It's got, I think it helps because that, uh, the chorus has a melody line that honestly, it's one of those things that you would see at a soccer stadium. It's that kind of melody where <laughs> you had a couple of beers, you could belt that out, even if you're a bad singer. And like, it's a lot of notes that are kind of fun to hit. And it's memorable yeah, yeah. and hooky and catchy. So I think that helps because, man, I, you're, you're still you're still posting your stories. People, you're at a show and people are still singing that song back to you. And so uh, yeah. that's a rare thing when tracks get that kind of of traction where it just lives on. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was that was released now. I want to say, yeah, I don't want to say it's either April or May 2018. Really, so, it was 2018. Yeah, wow. 2018. <laughs> yeah, so in a couple of months it will be two years. So it's not like it's um. It was even last year. It was it was quite a while ago, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, in terms of like you know drum and bass or whatever, but it's amazing what it's done. And obviously, for me personally, um, being able to make a tune with someone I've known for years and is a good friend of mine, and is the most important thing. I mean, we both still talk about it. It's just, it's just, it's nuts. I mean, Dave came out to us, come out to hospitality on the beach. I think it was twenty eighteen. He came out and he was shocked by the reaction, and I still am to this day. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's just crazy. So now you've got. Uh... Now you've got an album uh, coming out, and when we were recording this, by the way, for the benefit of the people who are going to be listening uh, to this, we we're recording this 30 days out from the album release, and then this isn't airing until uh, about, I think, 10 days after the album is released. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're recording this in advance, but uh, the album. So first, uh, tell me the name and how that name came about. So the album is called Letters from Degua. So it came about basically because I was trying to find a name for the album that was quite personal to me. And I'm half English, half Kenyan. My Kenyan heritage is obviously important to me, as, as is my English heritage. So I wanted something that represented me. I felt a lot of UK culture was represented within the album. The fact that it's drum and bass and the things I was talking about are quite relevant to people who live in England, as well as the rest of the world. But, but you know, there's stories on there that are relevant to, to people living in England. But... So I was just, you know, Degs is a play on Degwa. Degwa is basically my middle name. Um, and Degs is what people used to call me at school um, and, and at college. So it was just like, you know, people used to call me like Degs or Deggy D. So I settled on Degs as an artist name. So I thought I'd try and kind of develop that point or whatever you like to call it uh, a little bit further. So, you know, each song is kind of like a story and sometimes a letter. So letters from Degwa is how that basically came about. I see. So lyrically... Uh, what do you? What kind of themes are you delving into with this release? So, there's a range of stuff. There's a lot of there's a there's some classic love songs on there. Um, there's heartbreak. There's a lot of content around mental health and togetherness within the DMB scene. It just it touches on kind of a wide range of topics, but ones that are kind of based among things that have happened to me, stories that have happened to me, or my perception of. Um, how things are going in my life and, and in the world and, and so on and so forth. So there isn't actually one concurrent theme. That's why we kind of 
settled on letters from Degra. It's just like it's a it's a stream of consciousness throughout the album. It's almost the antithesis to a concept album, you know, where there's like one concurrent theme or one concurrent mentality throughout that. Uh, letters from Degra is almost the complete opposite. Uh, you're touching. You you said you're touching on mental health, and obviously that is mm-hmm. a, a huge um, a huge theme. Uh, I just read that Olivia Jacks, uh, she's like a house DJ, uh, killed herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like yesterday, I guess. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So we're obviously the musical community is still seeing these losses. Um, I interviewed, uh, diligent fingers from Manchester a couple of episodes ago. Um, and he went very in depth into his own mental health journey. Um, and he actually released a track, I think just yesterday that was about exactly what we talked about in the interview. Um, I want to know for, in terms of uh, your life, how has mental health issues uh, how how have you witnessed it? How have you experienced it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, even before I was in, in music, uh, and I think I talk about it quite a lot in length, particularly on the mixtape, I think is where I've probably been the most honest about my mental health problems throughout the years. Um, I'm kind of like many other males, I find it difficult to talk about it. I'm lucky that I have music as a release, but I know that thousands, millions of, of, of males and females around the world don't have that kind of avenue where they can express themselves. At least I could kind of put my thoughts on a track and then kind of show people how I push past certain obstacles and so on. But even within music, you know, being in within, albeit to quite a small degree in B&B, but in the public eye can obviously have its own pressures and um, negative consequences, you know, as a result of, of showing and displaying your art to people uh, on a wide scale. So, uh, and, you know, not just from my own perspective, so many of my friends, um, family members, and just people that I've encountered on this journey through music and, and in my previous roles have suffered with anxiety, depression. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to focus too much on the male side of it, but obviously I am a male and, and it's what I see more than anything else, um, that there is a massive stigma at the moment for, for males and uh, and even just musicians in general uh, to speak out about how they're feeling. So it's something that I hope people can work together and change a little bit. Society-wise, over here, um, I'm seeing in the musical community, uh, it's much more progressive when it comes to awareness of mental health than it is in the, like the general populace. Do you find that's the same uh, over there in the UK? Like the musical community is kind of pushing this more than the rest of society is? I think, to be honest with you, I think it's quite a logical conclusion just purely because of the nature of music music invokes emotions music people uh, music makes people think about themselves make things uh, both internally and externally so it kind of within just the nature of music in itself and lyricism and you know soundscape and people getting inspired by um sonics in general i think mental health is going to be a concurrent part of music so i'm not I'm almost not surprised. I'm also very happy that it's part of that because, you know, I think a lot of artists, for example, we're, we're pretty twisted people to do what we, we do anyway because we're going through a range of different emotions in order to create a piece of art. So I think, you know, there are a lot of artists who sympathise with people that are going through mental health issues because within their art, mental health issues are kind of a part of it, a part of how they create the music that they create. So, um, you know, I'm definitely proud within D&B there's been a, a kind of change recently and uh, a wave of new thinking and, and new motivation to tackle mental health issues throughout this, throughout the scene and obviously within wider society as well. So um, 
I definitely think the understanding is as good as it's ever been. There obviously needs to be some changes made, as I kind of alluded to earlier, in terms of not always feel, feeling comfortable talking about certain things. And even talking about it in this kind of ambiguous term, I find it difficult to, to, to say what I really feel on the matter, do you know what I mean? Because it is such a complex and divisive issue. Um, but yeah, I certainly feel proud being part of drum and bass music uh, as like a, a leader and a torchbearer just trying to make changes in people's lives, plus also looking after each other. You know, I've seen plenty of people um, look after each other in the rave and also online, and it's good to see that we have this kind of community spirit that is incredible how much it can really help someone. Yeah, I, I think you're uh, you're in a good situation in terms of that, uh, especially because, you know, Tony has obviously been uh, very outspoken uh, in support of mental health issues. Um, and, you know, as a black male, uh, you know, if you look at the statistics, you know, black people are, have much more limited access to mental health resources, uh, mm-hmm. as white compared to white people. Um, so I think like pushing this in the musical community is, is of vital importance. So that there's at the very least some kind of awareness getting out there. That's not just coming from like the normal talking heads that people see on TV or at school. Yeah. Because so. I mean, the thing is when you, when you talk about the talking heads you see on TV, it just, it just kind of looks like very, very, uh, what to say is very, it looks like politics you know what i mean it looks yeah. like diplomats it's like sterile with, yeah very sterile it's very difficult for people to feel inspired or feel most importantly to feel comfortable to even try and access some sort of mental health resource or trying to reach out to someone whether that is someone professional or someone who's your friend or, or your brother or your parents whatever you know what i mean yeah absolutely so this new album um you as of the recording today you just released a new video um so tell us about that so, yeah, so uh, as of the recording today, I think I probably would have released uh, another one on top of this, to be fair. So I've the singles from the album have been Levitate Your Mind, that came out on Sick Music uh, on January the 10th. Uh, the day that we're recording today is Sleepless. It's a track with Polar and Bryson. Um, it's kind of about the rave scene and kind of touches on mental health within the rave scene about how a lot of people only really feel comfortable in their lives when they're actually in the rave and in the dance and then when they're at home, they're just lying uh, wide awake. They only feel like they're comfortable to be themselves in the night. Um, so it was a track that was written not only about myself, but about thousands of other people across the world. So um, it's definitely one that's really important to me. Um, the next single after that, which has been released, is Head Trip. Again, it's another track that touches on mental health um, issues. And Color My Soul, which was done with logistics, was is the re- sort of the release day focus uh, video and single uh, and that's just about either a friend or relationship and just wanting them just to stick around and try and make things work and as I said I've touched on a lot of different topics on this album and not they don't necessarily meet, make conceptual sense with one another they're all individual situations and individual stories and so I tried to make it as true as honest to myself and other people as I could do. Uh, you bring up the the idea in, in Sleepless um, you know the idea of people going out and really only feel like they can be them true, their true selves, you know, in, in the night at the dance. Hi, hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You can start, start that question again. Sorry. Oh no, no, no. It's all right. Um, on sleepless, you know, you're touching on this idea that people can, you know, they, they feel most comfortable, uh, at night at the rave. Um, you know, it kind of brings to mind again, we talked about this in the last interview, um, you know, the, the social implications and, and political implications of, of music, um, and drum and bass itself is, you know, comes from class and, and race 
issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because hospital is always viewed by a lot of people as being this um, a bit more of like, you know, the poppy end of the spectrum and mm-hmm. uh, more of the escapist route. But I like how this is touching on these kinds of things that are uh, so important to so many people where they feel like this is the community in which they can actually be their true selves, which I don't think, I'll, I think there's a lot of music out there that people listen to that, that don't offer that for you. Uh, when you discovered drum and bass, what was like your kind of gut reaction to it when you first heard it? Um, and let me, you know, what, let me, let me recontextualize that too. So combine that too with the idea of like just dance music in general, like, like raves and house music and stuff like that. Like when you first discovered all that kind of stuff, what was like your gut reaction to it? Well, I think what you just said there about uh, escapism, like I think, I think absolutely it was, it's kind of where I felt like all the pressures of day-to-day life, you go to a dance, it's it's kind of moving within the lights and moving all with people that, and dancing with people that just want to have a good time and, and obviously all the substances and alcohol, it's almost like, it's particularly when you first discover it, it's like being in a dreamland. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's an absolute crazy experience. crazy change of life it's almost like stepping into another dimension and i think that's why a lot of people feel most comfortable and they get addicted to the rave man that's the thing you know what i mean they get addicted to this feeling of euphoria where they don't have to be worried about the fact that you know people might perceive them to be a bit strange or people might perceive them to be this and that or they didn't do well enough at school or or whatever it is they haven't achieved what their parents expected them to achieve it's just a place where you can put all of that to one side and i think you know, sleepers kind of touches on on that. Absolutely, I think is why the rave culture is so healing for so many people. I think it's only. Oh, could you hear me? Sorry, yeah. I don't know what happened there. Again, my phone is just all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it could be mine too. I'm not even sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, so you were talking about the the escapism of the rave and stuff like that. Um, I totally agree with you there. Um, I did want to I did want to talk about the video for a second, and I don't mean this to sound facetious. I mean this in the best way possible. The video itself reminds me of something I would have seen on MTV in like the late eighties. It's got like a very eighties feel to it. Was there like a particular kind of, um, creative theme or drive or inspiration that came with making that video? So we wanted it to kind of encapsulate the kind of late, it's like a late night stepper, um, sleepless. So we wanted to kind of encapsulate that kind of vibe. So, hospital and joe who worked on um who worked on the video they were absolutely fantastic had a great sort of blueprint in mind of what they really wanted to do and the idea of kind of having just me performing and it's light and it's dark and it's kind of got that kind of late night visual aspect to it hopefully could really drive the context of the of the tune forward <laughs> hello I'm glad it's not my phone for once because my phone's been giving me. No, yeah, I'm apologize about this. No, so. no, no. I actually, I'm, I'm holding on until Apple releases that that next iPhone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just no, holding on. Man. And you know what? I'm the worst for it as well. I buy the same iPhone every year. I'm just like, oh my god, it's new. <laughs> it's a new one. I'm gonna buy it. I'm the opposite of you. I'm holding on to a uh, an SE. Like I'm holding on. Oh, to really? Gear. Yeah, because I don't like the big phone at all. Like I just, I just like being able to scroll around the whole thing with my thumb. And mm-hmm. so the bigger phones, like, I'm just kind of like, oh, man. But yeah. whatever. Anyway. Um, well, I'm, standing, I'm, standing, I'm standing by the window, bro. So <laughs> that's going to help a little bit. I don't know. Well, that's all right. This, we're, we're, I'm, I'm almost done at the end. Anyway, I'll, I'll be letting you go soon. But, uh, you know, you were touching on, you know, the, the late night stepper, that kind of vibe mm-hmm. when it came to the video. And mm-hmm. I was going to say it reminded me of something that I would have seen with, like, uh, like Crystal Waters or C.C. Peniston. Like, those, like. Yeah, something old. And yeah, like those hip yeah, house kind of. 
kind of vibe. So that was that was pretty cool. I think definitely Hospital had that idea in mind. I think they wanted it that kind of eighties noir kind of flashy look. Um, I think they've achieved it really well. And as I said, I'm lucky to to be able to work with such great creative minds, particularly visually, because I can make music. But I'm, I visually, I'm not particularly creative, so I'm so glad that they've got a vision and they can make it. Um, like I said, drive the the context of the tune forward. Did you just say that you're not particularly creative? Visually creative. <laughs> oh, visually, visually creative. creative. No, you listen, bro. You should see my you should see my my uh, my drawing. Like when I try to draw a person, like even stick figures is all I can do, literally. Right, right. Yeah. And even that, they're wonky. They're lovely. They look, they look drunk. <laughs> it's not bad. No, my, you know, my dad was a teacher and he used to make a lot of his own visual aids. And, uh, he was one of those people. It's like, I can't even draw a stick figure. And he, it's true. His visual aids were, they made no sense whatsoever. I, I don't, I kind of feel bad for the kids he taught sometimes. Cause I'm like, this is not, this is not a horse dad. I don't, he's like, it's, it's horse enough. Um, Ooh, good. all right. So I'm going to be letting you go here. Um, but once again, this, uh, comes out March 27th, correct? Yeah, so uh, March 27th, uh, and it is all over the place, uh, all the usual outlets. And there's also a really cool um, vinyl pack that they're doing as well with a lot of artwork done by Ricky Trickart. So go and check that out. Again, we hospital, I believe, shit worldwide on that as well. So, um, uh, yeah, they've done a great job with uh, all the vinyl inlets and, and all that sort of stuff. And touring-wise, do you have any plans uh, that are noteworthy at the, at the moment? Yeah, so at the moment, just uh, for my UK UK listeners, uh, obviously playing all over the place in the UK, um, I would suggest check out my Instagram or Facebook. And then, yeah, summer, just touring hospitality on the beach, liquidity, Audio River in Poland, um, and then potentially Australia and New Zealand a bit further afield in the year. So it's going to be a busy one, man. Very busy one. Oh, you know what? Real, real quick before I let you go. Um, yeah, so you went to Australia for the first time, correct? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, how'd that go? Uh, how, how did that go? Amazing. So that was the first time I've ever been to Australia and New Zealand. Um, it was just before the fires, actually, in Australia. I'm glad they've managed to kind of get a hold on that uh, because it's such a beautiful place and uh, such beautiful people. So it's so sad to see that was happening when we came back. Um, it was where Levitate Your Mind would be overshot. And it was just three weeks of just banter. Shouts to Unglued, Kino, Whiny and Ralston and 174, the touring guys. Um, it was emotional. One, it was the last ever med school tour. Uh, but we spent a lot of time trying to breathe in the culture and went to Byron Bay for a week and, and then obviously ended up in New Zealand. So it was just, again, this kind of, it, it kind of just sums up what the last couple of years has been been like for me. I really don't understand it in some ways. It's been so surreal. So I'm just grateful for everyone that listens to my music and has been supporting and also keeping the D&D scene alive because I think worldwide i think it's in a really strong position and it just just when people thought it was dipping again it just seems to get this second third fourth win so i think i think we've got a genre of music that's that's here to stay well i dare say that uh people like you and uh and drs are are elevating that music at a time where the genre definitely needs it so so good on you for that chat all right i'm gonna Thank let you, you go much appreciated and uh i'll talk to you soon all right we'll talk to you very soon take care brother. all right bye-bye peace out bye
Thoughts are hard to erase 